Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Joeda Please. And this is your girl, Joe Arts or Joedar or Joedarts, whatever you want to call me. Honestly, just remember that I'm the birdist. And um, I eat it aggressively and I munch it aggressively. And whatever I do is just aggressively eatered and eatering. And I'll continue to eat. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode. This is episode two of the oldest daughter of an African family, the first daughter of an African family. I'm so excited to make this continuation because I've just been thinking about it all week. And I've just been thinking, what do I need to say? What do I need to say? And honestly, God just said, like, just speak from your heart. Just speak from your heart and let it be real and come from a real place. I've written down a whole bunch of stuff that I was going to read out to you guys. But I'm like, you know, I want it to be like a conversation, like a flow. Like, I just want it to be like a natural conversation. Like, I'm just talking to my pals because that's really what it is. I'm talking to my pals, isn't it? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I'm just so excited. And the feedback from episode one is just amazing. I didn't expect my, my podcast to go international. Like we are really international. Like we are going Germany, Sweden, South Africa, Ghana. Like what is this? Very soon it's going to be what? It's going to be what? Like you're going to be hearing it on CNN or what? That's crazy. That's crazy. Honestly, I'm very emotional about it. Like when I think about just how amazing the feedback is, I'm just like, yo, I don't deserve y'all, but I do, but I do. Um, so today we're going to be talking more about what it is like growing up in an African family as the oldest daughter, some of the things we face. And today is going to be more encouraging. I know the first episode we talked more about the things that we face and it was like, oh, you know, but today's going to be more encouraging, you know, how can we... Um, be better how can we learn from this our experience you know and I know some of you a lot of you wrote to me and I know a lot of you have been experiencing you know the many things that I discussed and you're like wow I really relate to you like a lot of the things you talked about like is my life and I feel like this episode would be an encouraging one and just to reassure you guys that listen everything is going to be okay you know this is a shaping moment and this is a molding moment for you this is a moment for you to learn more about yourself and you're going to get through it and just to continue with that like there are so many times like growing up as an African daughter where I was like there's no way that I'm going to make it out of this like I truly felt like every single day my life would just be the same way and I don't want it to seem like I was in prison or anything, but honestly, low-key, it was given prison. I'm not going to cap. It was kind of given prison because, like, it was given prison, you know? And today we're going to talk more about the religious aspect of growing up African, growing up in an African home and what we face, especially me as a Christian girl and, you know, growing up as a pastor's kid or a pastor's daughter, the stigma behind being a pastor's daughter or being a pastor's daughter and an only daughter and an African daughter and the oldest daughter of the African family. There's so much that you have to deal with, the pressure. The pressure is constantly getting wizard and wizard. Like, the pressure to be perfect, the pressure to have everything just to the T, the pressure to be an excellent uh, cook, uh, excellent person, a prayerful woman, a godly woman, you know? 
and the things that I have learned going through this. And as I talked, um, as I talked in my first episode, I told you guys about how, like, you know, just dealing with other uh, old, um, older women and the stuff, the comments that I would I would get from them are, you know, not feeling accepted, you know, and like how it how it shaped me and shaped my relationships. And I think that when I was young, right, when I was young, my relationship with other girls like me wasn't the best because I truly felt like I was the only one going through it. I didn't have girls my, I mean, I had a few friends who were the same age as me, but I felt like my own experience was my own experience because at the time I didn't have other friends whose parents were pastors. Um, and we're going through the same thing that I was going through. Now, when I talk about this, I don't want to talk. I'm not saying that my parents made my life terrible, but I'm just saying that the environment or the 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 the, the environments that I was in or like the people that, you know, I wouldn't say the people that are around me, but the stigma or the the norm of what we had to deal with was really what affected me the most. You know, what everybody expected you like to do like everybody expected you not to have a real social life because your life is the church (laughs) and your life is going to church every Sunday like for me my life was church like I already told you guys 99% of my clothes were church clothes I did not have regular clothes I didn't even bother to even have them because I was like I have church Saturday, Sunday, and and during the week I'm going to school, and I it made me a very awkward person. I've I've le- I've come to learn that I am an awkward person, but I've come to accept my awkwardness. Awkwardicity. I just made that up. <laughs> I just made that up. Um, I've come to accept it. And I've come to realize that it's it's made me who I am. You know, um, it shaped me, and that's who I am. I, I don't think being awkward is a bad thing. But when I was younger, I did have this extreme awkwardness because I didn't know how to communicate with other people, especially other people my age, because I spent so much time, you know not associated or communicating with other people my age, you know? And so that really affected my relationship. It affected my mindsets because I started having self-doubt about myself. I started feeling like, yo, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. Honestly, sometimes all we want to hear is that, yo, you're doing a great job. Like, you're doing amazing. Like, don't worry about anything. You're doing amazing. That's all we want to hear, you know? Sometimes that's all you want to hear. You don't even care about you know, getting gifts or anything. And for me, that is what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear somebody be like, yo, you're doing amazing. Like, I know that sometimes you feel like nobody's here listening to you, but you're doing great. Um, And there are so many times where, like, I would go to church every Sunday. And at a young age, right, at a very young age, I was teaching Sunday school. Um, It wasn't something that my parents were, like, forced me to do, but it's something that I love doing. I always loved children, you know. And so there was nobody to do it at the time. And, And I'm sure if you're a PK, you know what I'm talking about. Like, sometimes people are not available to do, to help your, you know, your, your parents' church, you know, or your family's church and you have to step in because who else is gonna do it like the daughter is singing the son is playing the drums you know you know what i'm talking about guys and so i had to do it and for me it was an amazing experience because it taught me it helped me get closer to god but um but it was difficult because 
it just it was very very difficult it was a lot of responsibility um and i think at the time too i felt like i wasn't mature enough to to be teaching sunday school because i was also a kid like a lot a lot of the kids that i was trying to help or teach were almost the same age as me and so that was that made me realize like wow i had to mature early um i had to mature quick you know but it's so crazy because like even through all of this right even through all of these experiences i think about how like i truly never became the stereotypical african daughter that is like oh faces like is so like holy and pious and straightforward and and so no i've always been a goofy person i've always been fun i've always when everybody's going right i'm going left nothing has been able to shake me and that's how i knew that god wanted to be the wanted me to be the person that i am today because when i think about all the things that i've faced sometimes you just think about life like yo i've been through a lot and I've faced a lot. And through it all, I've come out unscaped, unscaped or whatever the word is. And and I'm fine, you know, regardless of all of that, you know. And that is what it is, that through all of those situations that you go through as an African daughter, you're still going to come out fine. Because at the end of the day, right, if God wants you to be this, you will be that. You know, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you or what anybody, even your family members say about you. If God wants you to be something great, you're going to be something great. And for me, I didn't know that. I wish somebody could, I, I wish at the time when I was younger, I heard that often, you know, but I didn't, you know, even though my parents supported me and always, you know, told us everything was going to be okay. It was something I didn't hear often because I never really knew how to open up, you know, especially growing up as a Ghanaian, like we don't learn how to open up to our parents. It's always like, you know, just be strong and be tough. Like there's no such a thing as talking to your parents about what's going on in your mind. Imagine going up to your Ghanaian parents and telling them that you're feeling sad or you don't love yourself. They'd be like, ah, what do you mean you don't love yourself? God is love. Go ahead and read your Bible. What do you mean you don't love yourself? And so it was something that I had to learn on my own. And it was very tough because imagine, imagine just feeling so sad and having to wake up every day and go to church and teach little kids about how you should not feel sad and love yourself. And it's just like, it's just like such a full circle moment because that's exactly what I'm doing now is teaching people to love themselves. But the difference is that now I am, I understand what self-love is and I've learned a lot. My experiences has taught me so much. And with the help of God, like I can say to this day that I truly love myself. And even, you know, I was talking in my life the other day and I said, you know, self-love is not just about um showing how nice your life is because you love yourself and how much you can afford the nice things self-love is being real being authentic self-love is being genuine self-love is being vulnerable enough to show people that look i'm not perfect i am actually very imperfect and here is me and you if you don't accept it that's cool and if you accept it that's also cool um and it's just being raw really um, because at the end of the day, you matter first, right? What, what anybody says about you doesn't matter. And that's something that I wish somebody told me when I was younger, that you matter. Like, don't care, you don't have to care about what anybody says because it doesn't define you. And I read a quote somewhere that said that the way people treat you is not even about you. <laughs> 
the way people treat you nine times out of ten is about them. It's about what they've been through in their life, and they want to project that on you. It's not about you. Don't even be worried. Don't be. Don't even be bothered about it because the aunties that be talking about you and and you know. So when I when I think of when I think of the way that um, I was treated, you know, especially within the church. Ooh, this one is going to be juicied. Um, <laughs> within the church, it was just like a lot, you know. I remember when I was in high school, and I remember I was really passionate about making a YouTube channel. And honestly, I've grown. I've matured over the years. But back then, I was not the girl that I am now. Like, I used to just say anything and do anything. I didn't have any guidance, really. Um, and so... <laughs> I made the YouTube channel and I was like, I remember it was the, it was the era of the get to know me tags and, and I was like, yo, this is me. I'm just going to be myself. And this auntie found my YouTube channel, reported me to my dad and that was that. And for me, that was honestly such a interesting moment in my life, a very pivotal moment in my life because I started to feel like, like I could not go to anyone because I was just like, yo, you could have just came up to me and, and talked to me about it, but you decided to be more violent and take the violence route, you know? And it just makes me think, like, why as why were we so young and so create so much chaos for people? Because it's like, people were so bothered about what we, what we were doing. And like, people are always bothered. They're like, what are you doing? It's like, aunties will literally leave their day jobs to make a phone call to your parents to tell them that you're posting terrible pictures on Instagram or you're doing this. Like, please focus on your work. Focus on your job. Please focus on your life. Why are you focus about what I'm doing? I've never understood that, you know? And it's crazy because they have many, there are many times where they could come up to you and give you advice, be, um, be uh, someone that you can look up to, but they choose not to. They choose to be violent and chaotic. Um, and for me, that, that honestly was traumatizing. It's very traumatizing as an African daughter to experience that, to experience people being so against you. And, and, and I dealt with a lot of shame. I dealt with a lot of shame growing up as an oldest African daughter, as a pastor's kid, because I felt like I wasn't a good, one, I felt like I wasn't a good Christian. And two, I felt like I wasn't a good daughter and I was just you know I was different you know and it was very very difficult for me to get through that patch of my life because I didn't have anyone to talk to and I didn't think I had anyone to talk to because it's just like you know you just keep things to yourself you don't really talk about things because sometimes we re we think that when we open up to people about the things that we are going through it it's it's a shameful moment or it's like something to be ashamed about but no it's not because the when you open up to people about what you're going through it makes you vulnerable and then they can understand where it comes from if you don't open up to people, you don't tell people what you're going through and you keep it onto yourself, all your actions are just going to look diabolic and violent. And there's just going to be like, yo, she's just crazy. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to, if you find someone that you truly trust, is to open up to them. And honestly, it's this sounds crazy, but writing down your thoughts and everything and talking to God, you know, as a Christian woman, it's so important that we see God as not just some our father but our confidence someone that we can um go to and, and talk to because he is your father he will listen to you you know he listens to you so it's so important that we do that um 
And for me, I would say that I would say that mastering peace is so important as an African daughter. You come to a place where nothing bothers you and you realize that everything happens and let it happen, you know, but make sure that you make yourself a priority. And there's going to be times where people are going to be like, yo, she is, she's so rebellious and she's so, she's a ragamuffin rascal. Oh my goodness. There are so many moments where people painted me as a, I was so crazy because I spoke back. The moment you start to speak back, that's when people start to say, oh, she's crazy. Oh, she's wild. No. No, you finally stood up for yourself. And it's so important that you stand up for yourself, even if people are going to say, wow, you are a ragamuffin rascal. Well, I'm going to be a ragamuffin rascal, whether you like it or not, Serge. Yeah. Um, so that is very important. Um, that's very important to stand up for yourself. And as the only African daughter, only, this is very important. You, There is no other, it's not like you have a sister that you could talk to. No, it's the, you are the only girl. <laughs> You're the only girl. You know, all that emotional trauma, you can you, you just keep it to yourself. And I sympathize with African daughters who are were raised by single dads and didn't have their mother around them or you know, I feel like I really sympathize with you guys because it's not easy. It really isn't easy to live <laughs> to live with men. It's not easy, oh. It's not easy to live with men. Like, I'm not going to even sugarcoat it. Especially African men. Don't worry. We'll get in depth with that one. But it's not easy. easy. And the, some of the things that you want to hear. And honestly, growing up, right? Growing up, I, I realized, I started to realize that having someone that looked like you was so important and in building who you became having someone that looked like you and was very very important because even like growing up and seeing women who were like the same size as me and being like a plus size girl or being on the thicker end of the you know spectrum it's just like you just wished that you know, you had people to look, I just admire them. Like, I just always admire women that look like me or girls that would look like me. Cause I was just like, wow, you know, because <clears throat> let's talk about that. Let's unpack that. You know, in the African church, the way that the aunties can drag you for the way you look is actually needs to be studied. It actually needs to be studied in different scientific uh, uh, journals because I never understood this. I never understood how you could be minding your business and now your body is literally the topic of discussion. Please, please tell me why. Why are aunties having a conversational dialogue seminars about my body? I'm confused. I'm very, very confused. Why are you guys talking about my body? Meanwhile, when you were my age, you were not small. No, you were not tiny. You were, yes, like me or even more. You were. So why are you having dialogue about my body? I'm so confused. Um, what, it's just like the police, everything you do. And you would think, you would think that because they are, they are women, they understand where you've come from and they they sympathize with you. No, 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 no. They don't care. They don't care at all. They don't care at all. Um, and this is something that we need to unpack and we really need to kill the spirit of judging other girls and like, just being so mean and rude and disgusting and saying bad things about because that's how we grow up and have these insecurities about our bodies and not feeling like you know 
And for me, like I've always said, and I said in my, the first episode, my mother is a great role model for me. She never once made me feel terrible about how I looked or anything. Um, and she was caring and understanding. Um, and it took me a very, very long time to realize that I would never look like Kylie Jenner. Like, I, it took me a very, very long time to realize that the way that my body is, that even if I lose weight, <laughs> I will still be like, well, like, you know, thick. I will still be thick, you know? And yeah, like there will be times where like I wouldn't even eat because I'm just like, yo, I'm tired of being big. I'm really just sick of being big. I'm sick of going to the, uh, the parties and these aunties judging me and saying, wow, look at your plates. Only you? Are you going to eat that? It's like, this is my first meal of the day. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, leave me alone. And it's so crazy because these aunties, <laughs> they be heaping their plates up at the parties. Talking about some, oh, mommy, don't you think that chicken is too big? You're eating four bowls of kinky. And after that, you're going to eat benku. And after that, you're going to eat for four. And you are judging my plates. Let's be very for real. Like, let's be very for real. Like, let's really rehearse what we say before we say to somebody. Because I don't understand why. And I think, honestly, it's really just insecurity. It's in insecurity and they're projecting their lack of self-love. And, yeah, they don't like themselves. That's why, you know. But enjoy yourself. And I know there are young people who are, young girls who are listening to this who are going through exactly what I'm talking about. Um, don't let what they say push you or affect you, you know? And honestly, for me, I, I came to a point where, like, I had to stop going to those parties. I stopped going. I stopped going because I realized that I didn't need to put myself in these spaces. Nobody can force you to go to the parties. Don't go because it's not healthy for your mental health. Why are you, why have you gone to a party and it's like a funeral because people have made you so sad? Like it just doesn't make sense to me like remove yourself from those spaces because it's so important to just you know and for me the way that I cope with sadness is like I'll sleep it off and all I will shut down um and it's so healthy um people deal with sadness in different ways but when I was younger yeah like when somebody told me that I looked terrible or something or I need to stop eating because I was too big I would literally go home and sleep it away like I would sleep for days that's just how I was and it's so sad it's so sad to think about how like the things that we have to do to cope you know the things that we have to do to cope and and that and it's so crazy how we think about we say like oh um pastors kids become uh, violent or pastors kids are so rebellious this is a coping mechanism for them <laughs> to be violent it's because they've dealt with so much that they don't know how else to express themselves that the only way and the thing is that when you keep a kid right it keep a kid in this confined con, 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 what's the word strict life they grow up feeling like I need to get out anyway. And like, it doesn't matter what they do, they're gonna get out. Like, it doesn't matter where they go. And that's what you that's what you do. That's why a lot of kids, when a lot of African kids, when they leave the house, you don't hear from them again because they've escaped to them, they've escaped prison, they've escaped hell. And I don't want that. I don't wanna I don't wanna not have a healthy relationship with my parents and I hope I hope the the parents are listening to this, honestly. And this is advice like we go through so much, you know, I, and I understand. And this is, I'm going to end this by saying this, that growing up as an African, not even a daughter or a son, just an African child, right? You see your parents struggle so much to make 
your living situation great like to make you enjoy like to them you know to them going to a great school um having good education having food on the table and clothes on your back is the ideal life for them but they never understand like the different the, the many holes in in that because there's so many things that need attention like your mental health your your you know your mental health is so important you know it's something that we don't talk about in the african home it's something we need to talk about more um because all of this all this discussion we've been talking about the oldest african daughter and what we have to deal with it's all about mental health you know it's all about mental health because it doesn't have to be you know a stereotype like us talking about wow the oldest african daughter wow um how are you an oldest african daughter and you're not traumatized no like we need to kill that it shouldn't be a norm and we want to also have children where we can raise them in a healthy environment and not pass these trauma traumatic experiences to them you know and yeah and if you're really and if you're going through this right now i just want you to know that you are strong and you don't have to be strong honestly um but I understand what you're going through and this is going to end. This is think of this as a shaping time, like a molding time for you, um, to build you. Um and you'll become unshakable and unstoppable. You will. You will become unshakable and unstoppable and and have these conversations, you know. And honestly, you guys can come into my DMs, we'll talk and we'll have conversations about this because I think this is so important. Um and the next episode is going to be more about mental health, dealing with mental health in the African community and the stigma behind it. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This episode was all over the place, but I'm more comfortable. That's what we care about. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening. If you're listening to this, driving to work, sleeping in your bed, please thank you so much for listening. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Bye.